Hey, Fire fans, welcome back to another episode of Feed the Fire. I am Nick, your host for the next 20 or so minutes as we talk about the Chicago Fire, their U.S. Open Cup debacle against Houston, and looking ahead to their next match against the Columbus Crew. But before we get into that, Leo Messi has agreed to come to Major League Soccer to play for Inter-Miami, and the news has shook the soccer world, the football globe, whatever you want to call it. Messi to MLS is the headline in sports right now. Not just in MLS, not just in global soccer, but in sports. And yeah, I know the NBA playoffs are going on, but you know what? If Jimmy Butler wins, I'm thrilled as a Bulls fan seeing him get to the pinnacle of his career. But it's Leo Messi. That's the talk. And we're going to try and put it into a little bit of Chicago Fire context here. Um, that way we can keep it relevant to our hometown team, our hometown fans. But we have to understand, as fans of MLS, just the sheer magnitude of this. I don't think there is a signing that has ever been comparable to Messi coming to MLS as far as Major League Soccer signings go. Everyone is looking back and comparing it to when David Beckham came here and how the league introduced the designated player rule to allow him to come to the league, to allow the Galaxy to sign him, and also for the league to negotiate a previously unheard of deal in locking him in at a franchise fee at the time. I think that ended up being like a $200 million investment. I wonder what the tax implications are on that. I'll have to call my friend. He's a tax professor. I digress. But for Beckham to get locked in at like, a 50 million franchise fee. And then when he actually started Inter Miami, the fee had gone up to about 300 million. So not a bad bit of business for him. But as we know, he also was able to build a certain brand here in the United States and globally from America, as well as his wife being able to launch her fashion lines and her brands, both figuratively and literally, raising a family here, uh, as well as having the the international travel and all that available available to a star of his status, right? So he really not only changed the game from a rule standpoint, roster building standpoint, from a play standpoint, we heard about uh, players on the Galaxy having to raise their game to have to, to figure it out to play with this global star and one of the best to put on some cleats or boots, depending on where you're from. But now that's going to happen with Messi in Miami on a greater scale. Clubs are going to have to react. Clubs are going to have to think bigger if they are going to want to stay competitive, at least from a talent standpoint. I think it's wonderful that clubs are starting to focus on training facilities and pipelines and academies and developing things and local partnerships and all this other stuff rather than just going and trying to snatch up the biggest name. We saw what happened when the MLS became a retirement league, which by the way, Messi coming to MLS not a retirement move. That's just for morons who are trying to hate on MLS and Euro snobs who don't watch the league. The retirement league moniker is gone. Messi just won the World Cup. He pretty much, I think as someone said, uh, some pundit said, Messi dragged Argentina to a World Cup trophy. He is not washed up. And if anything, he's going to be a little bit rejuvenated, probably at least mentally, in getting away from PSG and getting away from Barcelona and getting away from all of the offers in Saudi Arabia, which, by the way, were reported to be a half billion dollar contract. That's right, with a B, over uh, 500 million a season for a couple of seasons. 
again, to come to Major League Soccer, to come to the United States, to be able to uh, have a better lifestyle than he, he was living in Saudi Arabia. At least that's what I would take away from it. Uh, also, not to go back to Barcelona, and let's quickly touch on the Barcelona aspect of it. I completely understand why they would be in the picture. He made his career with them, right? Uh, PSG, Paris Saint-Germain, was the icing on the cake of one, of one of the greatest soccer careers ever. But it was all about his time at Barcelona. Unfortunately, Barcelona could not sign him. Based on an article from ESPN, his transfer value, or not his transfer value, but the value that Messi would bring to Barcelona and the way that their financial rules are written, he literally could not play for Barcelona. That Even if he took a free contract, if he just came over and played for them out of charity and goodness, they still couldn't put him on their books because of his value. However, it's kind of funny that Barcelona forgot about that. So when Messi announced he's going to sign with Miami, the president of Barcelona um, said, excuse me, uh, I'm reading a statement here. Uh, Barcelona, the club, put out a statement saying that the president of Barcelona understood and respected Messi's decision to want to compete in a league with fewer demands further away from the spotlight and the pressure he has been subject to in recent years. So that to me is just low class Bush League Barcelona crap here. Like they couldn't get their guy. They totally screwed up all their finances. They're paying for it now. Messi snubbed them. Um, and now they are taking shots at the MLS saying it's a league with fewer demands and further from the spotlight. Come on, you're playing in Miami. I mean, he's, he's the greatest soccer player in the world right now. The spotlight will always be with him. First of all, he's playing in Miami, very international city in a global sport. That's getting more and more exposure, especially in the three years leading up to the world cup being hosted in the United States. Canada and Mexico. So the fact that they're saying these things, it's it's just blatantly false. And it actually is really kind of Bush League. Um, so yeah, that's that's the Barcelona side of things. From the Chicago Fire side of things, um, it it really kind of makes the Chicago Fire like, hey, you've been this club since 98. You had a history of greatness and trophies in your first decade, and your second decade plus has been utterly abysmal. You've missed on all your big signings and your biggest and brightest signing so far, Jordan Shakiri, uh, is not panning out. So meanwhile, you've got Miami, a club who's been around for three years, who has already gone through a bunch of financial and roster sanctions. They just went out and got Leo Messi and they worked with the league. So that is where you're at Chicago Fire from an organizational standpoint. Now, I'm not saying the fire should have gone out and made a play for Messi or Ronaldo or Benzema or all these other, any of these giant other names, right? Or, oh, maybe we can get Mbappe to come over. No, I'm not saying the fire need to be doing that. I'm saying that the fire need to actually figure out DPs who can contribute to this team, high profile players who still have some gas in the tank who can contribute to the team immediately upon signing. Additionally, how this is going to affect the Chicago fire. And, and yes, as much as they need to sign DPs, I do acknowledge the fact that they're developing a lot of new training facilities. They're bringing up homegrowns, but now they just got to start selling them a little bit more often than just Gaga um, and Duran. Duran, not a homegrown, young talent, whatever the case may be. Um, the fire need to, if that's going to be their model, then continue to build the training facilities, 
promote the homegrowns, get them their minutes and sell them on. Um, Cause it looks like, you know, for every Brian Gutierrez and Gaga Slonina that they're promoting to the first team, they end up with a Casas or Burks who are not panning out. Maybe Casas just needs some more playing time. I'm ready to, to, to call it quits on Kendall Burks as a center back, as a defender and as a player in MLS um, or Victor Bezerra, who just fell out of favor with the head coaches on the senior team and now is dealing with injuries. Um, I just don't think Ezra Henderson liked Bezerra as much as he deserved a shot over Casper Shabilko for a long time. Anyway, I'm digressing. Messi should be inspiring these other clubs, and Miami should be inspiring these other clubs to just, at the very least, do better with their DPs and with their international signings. Now, how is this affecting the fire fans too? Cause I'm seeing a lot of different takes of it on social media. On the one hand, everyone is really excited. They're loving this. This is great. It's great for the league. You know, um, a rising tide lifts all boats kind of things. Like everyone is going to be um, benefiting from this, from a financial perspective, from a viewership perspective, from a ticket set, all these things. So that's one reaction to it. Another reaction to it is this sucks it's you know the league is playing favorites this is why we can't have a single entity structure like major league soccer now it's all going to be about miami uh what's funny is all the teams in the league kind of put out like welcome leo tweets and things on social media and i kind of liked what the fire did maybe the execution wasn't great but the thought was where it was hey welcome leo and then after a couple of clips of him It's like, we'll be ready for you. And then it's all the Chicago Fire players with the date of October 4th ready for it. So great idea. Probably didn't execute it very well, uh, Chicago Fire media team. Uh, But but again, those are kind of the takes that I'm getting. And then there's also the season ticket holders who are saying, you know, we have been coming. We've been supporting this team. And then there's the casual fans who come to several games a year, um, who want to support the team and get more involved. Well, now ticket prices just shot up. And you can't essentially can't get tickets for the Chicago Fire Miami game. The day the Messi news was announced, I went over to the website. You cannot buy, you could not buy tickets from the Chicago Fire. You could only get them on the resale market. I had looked about a month ago about getting one of those little fireside pitch, uh, field or not fireside pitch, like of the field level, uh, pitch level kind of box seats, if you'll call them, right? The little um the little eight seaters where you pay a couple grand and you're right there on the field level um just because you know i'm i'm a fall birthday i thought that'd be a great birthday gift for me to to have that and yeah maybe i'd throw a couple grand get you know seven of my closest friends and go just party with the chicago fire game nope can't do that now that is all gone and i don't know if those got actually booked or if the chicago fire pulled those from circulation in order to raise their prices and sell them to some bigger kind of corporate types. Uh, So again, that's what's kind of negatively impacting casual fans and even diehard fans is just the availability of these tickets. Um, But again, we get it, right? They also pulled the the student tickets prices. And I get that from a financial standpoint, you're going to make a load of money on this and they're probably going to release at least 10,000 more tickets from the upper deck, if not the entire soldier field, will be released and they're going to make a boatload of money off of all those tickets plus concessions gear and then whatever parking cut they get. So I get it from a financial side, but again, it's kind of a negative impact for everyone who's been there, been there and supporting the team and and wanting to get to a game. Personally, I think this is fantastic. I am thrilled to be able uh, to watch Leo Messi once, twice a week to have him here to, to have the world kind of watching what, 
we've built with major league soccer. I think it's exciting. I, I'm kind of, I was kind of giddy of it at first. And like, I couldn't wait to run home and tell my son who just got his messy Jersey, his very first soccer Jersey, his hero, Leo Messi. I'm like, guess who we get to watch on TV every weekend. Guess who's playing in America. And he goes, yeah, dad, Theo John, uncle John already told me uh, earlier today when we saw him at school, I was like, what? Like you ruined it. I wanted to get that on video and share it with everybody. But uh, he, I was assured he was very, very excited when he heard it at first. So it's really, it's really a cool thing. And I'm trying to think of any comparisons like outside of sports, but because soccer is really kind of the only global sport. I mean, you think of like Jordan coming back and going to walk to the Washington Wizards. I, I mean, we all knew Jordan couldn't, couldn't keep up defensively at that point, even though the man could still drop 20, 30 points a game. So I wouldn't call it exactly that. And as far as maybe baseball players, I, they really don't leave and come back or, or you know, hall of famers are, are bouncing teams as, as much and making as big of a splash as a Leo Messi would. So it's hard to find like a, a comparison in other sports. So you're starting to see maybe a little bit in the NFL when you've got these massive quarterbacks, these great, great QBs who can change franchises, all of a sudden hop into another team because they can't uh, get the contract they want under the salary cap restrictions with their current team, the team that they made a name for themselves. So maybe that's a little bit of a comp uh, to some degree. But anyway, I'm thrilled. I'm really excited about it. Even if I am watching the game from my couch on Apple MLS season pass, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be excited. And every player in this league now is going to want to at least have a good showing when they go up against arguably the GOAT. Now, let's put the messy talk aside and, and feel free to email me, glasshousesoccer at gmail.com or direct message me on Twitter at glasshousesoccer. Uh, with your comments, with your thoughts, or leave them in the comment section of the YouTube video and uh, let us know what you think about Messi coming to the league. We're going to quickly recap this, this Houston U.S. Open Cup game that was played on Tuesday night here in Bridgeview, uh, June 6th, where Houston ended up the 4-1 victors advancing to the semifinals. Goals by Bassey, Ibrahim, with two and Quinones put the game away. Uh, Chicago gets their lone goal from Suke, who did not have a good game, kind of redeemed himself by heading in uh, the corner on that one. But he gets he got beat a few times, giving up the early penalty to Bassey in the 12th minute. A lot of people are arguing the contact started outside of the box, and therefore it should have been a free kick outside of the box, not a penalty. I, I you, If that is the case, you're right. That is the rule. That is the law of the game. It's where the contact's initiated. However, if you look, he's kind of grabbing him and shoving him with his arm and the refs letting it go. It's when he it's when Suke clips the Houston attackers foot is when he goes down and the foul is called. So that happens inside the box. I'm not trying to make excuses for the referee. I'm just trying to explain maybe what he saw and give a little more credence to to that not being uh, such a terrible call. The such a terrible call was the no call when Brian Gutierrez gets taken out by by Houston's goalie in the second half. And at this point, it's 2-1 Houston. Gutierrez should have drawn and earned a penalty kick. The goalie makes no attempt to play the ball. And in fact, Gutierrez heads the ball past the goalkeeper. And then the goalie collides with Gutierrez in the chest and in the legs. But the referee, you see him immediately put his hands like it was a tip. And from his angle, I don't understand how he thinks it was a tip. When you clearly see Gutierrez's head, 
head the ball. The goalie's got his hands in Guti's chest, and Gutierrez is heading the ball. So the goalie's nowhere near it. The fact that the referee's calling it a tip really makes you wonder. I don't want to get into match fixing, as a lot of people have said it on social media, because the calls in the second half were so bad in favor of one side, Houston, that it's it's hard not to have your head go there. But on the flip side, the Fire did play one of their worst games, starting with the coaching staff. They ended up starting in a what the uh, MLSsoccer.com website is showing as a 3-4-2-1, but it was really more of a 3-4-3 a three, three, um, with Suke, Chihos, and Pineda as your back line. Shakiri Gutierrez as your attacking mids, Kamara as your lone striker. And then you have Haile Selassie and Miguel Navarro playing almost as winger, midfield wingers and Federico Navarro and Gaston Jimenez in their usual uh, defensive midfielder spots. Um, so it's been pointed out by several people who follow the fire that a three man in the back formation, as creative as it is in trying to put more on the attacking front, which really only works if you have a five midfielder set and dual strikers, uh, at least for the fire, when the fire have played a three-man backline is when they've given up multiple goals. When I don't think they've uh, drawn or won a game with a three-man backline. Um, that I'd have to verify. But again, the reporting is the three-man backline is one of their worst defensive shapes as far as goals allowed. Um, the their final formation again was about the same after the subs came in. Um, again, you have Kutsius being played in the midfield when he is subbed in. He needs to be a striker. Up top, you've got Jairo Torres playing centrally. He was brought in as a winger. He's supposed to be fast. He's supposed to take guys one-on-one. Why do you have him in the center mid? And then again, you've got Kendall Burks, who has shown he is not at the MLS level, playing as a right back in a three, three-man three backline system. He's got no cover. He had some huge defensive lapses in this game. And if you want to quickly look at the stats, here's the funny thing. Chicago had 66% possession in the game and still only generated 13 shots, five on goal. Meanwhile, Houston, 34% possession, 11 shots, six on goal. Uh, The problem was the fire had 86% passing accuracy. Most of their passes were again, all in their defensive half or defensive third of the field. It was not a good day for the fire attack. Houston had the right setup. They countered, Uh, They defended when they needed to. They got some saves from their keeper and took advantage of the opportunities that the Chicago Fire gave them. So with that, I'm going to take a quick moment just to move on from the Fire's arguably worst game ever from coaching to players to uh, front office roster construction. You are absolutely seeing the lack of depth on this roster uh, that the Fire need in order to compete when the season goes to a game every three or four days. Yeah, I get it. They're tired. I I get it. They're banged up. But that's why you need to have a better roster. You can't sink. And we said this a few episodes ago, comparing the fire to LAFC. You can't sink $8 into Shakiri and then ignore the back end of your roster. Whereas LAFC, none of their DPs are more than maybe 2 or $3 million. And then they're lower paid players are still much higher paid than, than the average player around the league. So they have found quality in the back end of the roster in the, in the first few guys coming off the bench in, 
in the guys who are going to have to step up in tournament play or leagues cup play, U.S. Open Cup play, um, guys who are going to have to rotate in to MLS when the team is out playing in CCL in CONCACAF Champions League, which, by the way, got a complete rebrand. We're not going to cover that today. Go make sure you find the news on that one. They completely rebranded, reformatted, renamed, are redoing uh, the Champions League for CONCACAF. Go check it out. Um, so again, the, everything that has gone wrong for the fire throughout the last several years, all went wrong to the nth degree in this game against Houston. And that is why the fire are no longer in the U S open cup. And why many people think it's another lost season for the men in red. Now, halftime break here. We are going to remind you that feed the fire is brought to you by Skira Icelandic spring water. Find it at your local 7-Eleven. Skira Icelandic Spring Water is bottled from, from Iceland. It is from a preserve that is protected by the government. The water has a naturally low mineral content, which makes it some of the best water that you can find on the planet. Clearly, pun intended, it is some of the best, and I highly, highly recommend it. Go grab a bottle, especially as the weather's warming up. Keep yourself hydrated and keep those pipes nice and smooth and lubricated so you can cheer on the fire in their next home game this Saturday, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central against the Columbus Crew. Now, quick statistic from MLS here. The Crew have received over 1,900 passes in the final third, 1,926 passes in the final third. That's the second most in the league behind the Sounders of Seattle, who actually have one more game. They got a game in hand on Columbus. So Columbus is getting passes in dangerous areas, in attacking areas, and that's going to be their strength. And that makes me really, really worried about the final score here. And we're going to dive into that in just a minute. As it stands right now, though, Columbus is sixth place in the Eastern Conference. They're sitting on 24 points, seven wins, six losses, three draws. Meanwhile, Hang on, let me scroll down. Keep scrolling. Keep going down. Oh, there's the Chicago Fire. Uh, 14th in the Eastern Conference on 17 points, three wins, five losses, and eight draws. Um, again, getting back to Messi real quick. Miami is the worst team in the Eastern Conference um, and nearly the worst team in the league. Only Colorado and the Galaxy are worse on points. And so a lot of people overseas are, are – quote-unquote haters of the MLS are like, oh, Messi's going to the worst team in the league. Yeah, that, that should tell you something. Like You're using that as a, as a negative? Like, this is the best player in the world right now, and he is going to the third worst team in Major League Soccer, the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Um, that should tell you how appealing playing in Major League Soccer, playing in the United States, as well as getting some of that Apple money, because Messi is rumored to... Uh, get a percentage of all new MLS season pass subscriptions. Uh, that could be some big money there, as well as he got boatload of cash from Apple because uh, now they have the exclusive rights to his uh, to a four part documentary on his life and career. So MLS and Apple know where to find the money, they know where to make the money, and they know how to get Leo Messi to come play in Miami. All right, getting back to the to, to the fire. Uh, at or hosting Columbus this upcoming weekend. As you can see, these are clubs who are in completely different shape right now. Columbus doing well above the playoff line. You're starting to see some separation in the middle of the pack. 
because you have eighth place Orlando and seventh place DC with 23 points. And then there you have Charlotte 21, Montreal 19, Red Bulls 19, Toronto 18. So you're starting to see a little bit of that separation of teams who've got 23 and plus points and teams that don't, um, especially Charlotte now coming off that loss to Columbus. 4-2 loss. Columbus can score goals. And as a matter of fact, now I'm looking at the website fbref.com. Columbus has the most goals of any MLS club this season with 33, closely followed by Atlanta and Philly, 32 and 27. But Columbus has the most goals scored in MLS. And if you look at some of their other numbers, it's not surprising. They do have the most assists in MLS at 26, seven ahead of Atlanta and Dallas. If you look at expected goals, they have the fourth highest expected goals at 24.7. So they're exceeding their expected goals numbers. So if, if you're into the metrics, you're saying, wow, they're outperforming. They're playing great. The other side to that is they need to have a reality check coming soon where they finally kind of regress back to what the models are projecting and score. So we'll see if they keep that up against the fire this weekend. I, I really think they do, given the state of the fire's defense. Goalkeeping, fairly average. Defensive numbers, fairly average. Nothing stands out there. But if you want to look at their offense, this is where they are thriving. And, and it's crazy to talk about the Columbus crew as being one of the best offensive teams in MLS right now. Um, again, they have the fourth most expected goals, the most goals, fourth most shots, second most shots on target, and the fifth highest shot on target percentage. That is the percentage of shots they take that actually get on frame. So they are top five in the league in shooting and goal scoring. Passing also is a huge strength. We talked about how they have the second most completed passes in the attacking third in the league. They have the second most completed passes overall as well. Second most attempted passes, third highest passing percentage. And if you're looking at it, if you want to break it down, the majority of these are all short and medium passes. Um, short passes, I think, are anything less than 10 yards. Medium passes, um, like 10 to 20, and then long anything after that. Um, I'm sorry, longer than 30 yards are considered long passes. Medium passes are 15 to 30 yards. The only thing they are not doing is hitting long passes. So you can see they, they're going to have a lot of possession. They're going to build. They're going to um, really try to get some numerical advantages against the defense and really play some great one-two ball and try and open, uh, open up things for Zellerion, Cucho, and whoever else is going to get attacking third. Um, so they are an excellent passing team and an excellent shooting team. And that does not bode well for the Chicago Fire, who, as we know, struggle with their defensive shape, struggle with transition defense. And when you've got a guy like Kendall Burks, who is not up to MLS standards at this point in his career, and he may never get there given what we've seen over the last several weeks when he's getting a good run of minutes, when you've got a knocked up, uh, not beaten up Rafa Chihos when you when you're sliding Pineda in wherever he, he they need a player. It, you got Navarro running up and down the wing. It's not going to look well against this Columbus team who is very very good at passing. Now let's get into some trivia odds and predictions, and I'll let you get out of here. Hopefully in right about a half hour's time. The Fire are unbeaten 
in nine straight home MLS matches, though seven are draws, two wins. This is Chicago's longest home unbeaten run since a 14-match streak in September of 2016 through August of 2017. So the Chicago Fire, at least this season, aren't losing at home. So there's your kind of glass half full statistic after telling you all the reasons why I think the crew are just going to roll all over them. So next up, let's take a look at the odds. This is coming from BetMGM. It is the evening of June 8th right now, and this is where the numbers are at. The Chicago Fire are at plus 145 to win this match. The draw is at plus 240, and the crew are at plus 170. So you bet 100 bucks. If the Fire win, you'll get uh, at 145. Uh, so we just said the Fire don't lose at home, and they are the home team. Usually you see a bit of a bump with the odds makers, uh, but you're not getting that here as the Chicago Fire. Um, it's actually Columbus is getting decent odds as the road team. And if you want to look at goals over and under, they set the over under at 2.5. Um, that is usually what BetMGM is setting for the league. And then they just kind of change the odds that you'll hit it. Um, so what you're seeing is 2.5 is the over under. Uh, the under at that is minus 140 and the over is at plus 100. Um, so they're pretty much telling you, yeah, it's going to go over. Uh, so I would expect this to be a higher scoring affair. I would expect this to be a very Columbus heavy affair. And I'm going to take the crew to do it th three to one, uh, if not four to one or against the fire here. I think it's going to be lopsided. That is my prediction. Um, also, we uh, be on the lookout. We got a good friend of the show, Connor, over at Connor No Soccer. Huge crew fan and someone who you need to go find and follow on social media. And he is going to uh, have all the coverage, all the social media stuff. Make sure you give a find and a follow to Connor. He's at Connor Knows Footy on Twitter. Uh, been a longtime friend of uh, Glass House Soccer, Feed the Fire, as well as Sons of a Pitch my prior podcast that I was working on with my buddy, Mike. So um, with that, I am going to say good night. I'm going to say, let's go fire. And I'm going to say fire fans. We just got to take it one game at a time. Enjoy what we can. And then just wait till we get to watch Leo Messi with that. Let's go fire. <laughs>